we're going to be in the book of Genesis today. Why? Because this is the beginning of the year. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start talking about a guy named Abraham today. Now, most of you know Abraham. You probably sang a song if you grew up in Sunday school. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. We're not going to sing that today, but that's the song. You might know his name from that. If you've got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And uh, this, this is what the Bible says. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for your word that you spoke to us uh, so many years ago and you spoke to your people. And now we're getting to, to look in on what you have to teach us about what it means to trust you, to follow you, to seek you in our new year. We just lift our lives up to you. Ask that you would be present in this moment and Lord, help each one of us leave this experience today knowing that you have met us, you've encountered us, and you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. We're jumping into a message series called You in 10 Years. If you guys have, have seen the 10-year challenge, if you've been on social media, you couldn't miss it. The 10-year challenge, you post a picture of yourself from 10 years ago. Usually, everybody looks a little fresher face, a little happier, a little just, you know. And then you picture of yourself now, and that's the 10-year challenge. Anybody, anybody done this, done the 10-year challenge? Uh, thank you. One honest person here who's done the 10-year challenge. What I'm more interested in than the 10-year challenge is that app that came out this year that can make you look like an old person. <laughs> All right? And I love this. I really wonder if, like, what would happen if a 90-year-old used this app? You ever wonder that? Would that just break the app? Like, would they look like they're 150? I don't know. I didn't get this app because it turns out it was probably from Russian hackers. I don't know if you saw that news. So I never got it, but some of my family members did, and one of them was kind enough to put my picture in the app. What happened here? <laughs> now, I'm going to make sure this does not get out because if I ever start dating someone and they see that this is their future, it's not going to work out. Isn't that terrible? That is, this is one of the ugliest versions of, of any old person I've ever seen, and it's me as an old person. And so you start thinking towards the future, like, okay, if, if that was me 10 years ago, what am I going to be 10 years from now? What am I going to be 50 years from now? I don't know if you, if you could, would you change anything over the last 10 years, that you've, anything that's happened to you, any decisions you've made? Some people are like, no, I would change nothing because it made me who I am today. I'm like, seriously? You wouldn't even, like, at least not get that traffic ticket you had to pay, like, something, right? Like, you just wouldn't stub your toe that one time? Did that make who you are today? Some people wouldn't change anything. I would change all kinds of stuff about my last 10 years. I would change the people I let into my life, the people I got close to, people I didn't get close to. I try to get close to them now. I'd change decisions I made, life direction, classes I took. I'd change a lot about the last 10 years. Is anybody else with me on that? Like, if you could change stuff, let's change some stuff. Let's not do some dumb stuff. Let's do some smart stuff. I'd jog a little more. I'd lift weights a little more so I wouldn't have to do as much of that now. I would do everything in the past so I'd be set up for right now. The, the good news about our lives, though, is that no matter what has happened in your past, no matter what your last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years have looked like, we get to determine what the next 10 years, 
20 years, 30 years of our lives look like. Now, we can't undo everything that's happened in the past, but we can make decisions right now to set ourselves up. So 10 years from now, we don't have to say, man, I, I wouldn't have done that. Wish I hadn't made that decision. Because we can start putting things into our lives right now to help us out. Across the next four weeks, we're going to talk about four steps you can take. And they're all from Scripture about how you can make decisions now, set up your life to be not just who you want to be in 10 years, but more importantly, who God wants you to be. A lot of times, we, we just take a step forward and we're like, hey, here's, here's who I want to be. If you're a big planner, you're like, here's my 30-year goal, and you just have it all set out. But the truth is, life doesn't always work out like you planned, but it always can work out in your life like God wants it to. You can become the person God wants you to be. And I think a lot of us are stuck in this, in this time. We feel like we're turning our wheels, doesn't matter what age. I see this in 20-year-olds. I see this in 50-year-olds and everywhere in between. You're, you're churning your wheels in life. And the Bible has some really clear instruction about how to ground yourself, how to start moving forward towards the purpose that God has for you. We, we just read this, this passage about Abraham. Now, it's kind of confusing. In this passage, his name's Abram because God later changed his name to Abraham. Abram means mighty father or exalted father. Abraham means father of multitudes, right? And so his identity actually changed with his name. But he's Abram right now. His wife is Sarai. And God calls Abraham, Abram at the time, and says, I want you to go to this land that I will show you. And God says, I'm going to show you what it is. You just got to go. You got to trust me. Go. And Abraham amazingly does it. I don't know if God showed up to me and he's like, yo, you got to just move. I want you to move to Siberia right now. Just go. And I'm going to show you where to end up. I'd be like, man, I need to get more sleep right now. You know, I'm hearing voices right about now. I don't need to follow the voices of Siberia. But Abraham knows God's speaking to him, and he just goes. He just follows God. He takes this leap of faith. And so for us, we're like, of course, he's in Bible times. It's easier to follow God in Bible times. I think we think that sometimes. It was not easier. This dude was 75 years old at the time. How many 75-year-olds do you know who will pick up their lives, pick up their families, everything they have, and move away? And this, this is what it said Abraham left. It said he left the land where he was. This is like your sense of belonging, right? This is, you, have you ever come back into Mississippi? If you're from Mississippi especially, and you're just like, I'm back home. It just feels good. Like, this is his land. This is what he knew. He left his place of belonging. It says, secondly, that Abraham left his family. Or it says that he left his kin. kin if, if you got like an old school translation, it'll say kindred or something like that. He left the people who were close to him, his relatives. He left those people behind too. So it's not just, hey, I'm leaving my land. It's like I'm leaving all the people who, who know me and are like me and who I know. I'm leaving all them. And then the final thing is that Abraham left, it says, his father's household. Now, this for us, right? okay, well, he's 75. He should probably move out of the house at some point. That's how we hear it. But back in these times, in your father's household, you would be part of that. It's called the Beit Av. That's the Hebrew for it. And the Beit Av was the primary building block for society at this time. So in, in our day and age, especially in the Anglo community, the primary unit is the nuclear family, usually a mom and a dad and kids. Now, you look at other cultures, you look like at Hispanic communities, and often you have extended families in the household, right? So, but in our kind of Anglo community, uh, if, if you're in an Anglo community, you often have kind of the, the dad and the mom and the kids. But back here, you would have the whole extended family. It would be grandpa, who would be the father of the house. You'd have him and then all of his kids, sometimes multiple wives that he would have, and then all the grandkids, and if there were great-grandkids, all the great-grandkids would all be under this, and pretty much what granddaddy said went, and you just went with it. But also, if, when he died, you would, you would inherit a lot, because he was over a lot. 
And so Abraham here is leaving not just his granddaddy, not just his family. He's leaving his inheritance, which means in a lot of ways he's leaving his future. You know, back then, their times weren't that much different than ours in the sense that most of us are scared of making a move in our life to follow God that's going to cost us what we think our future should be. Abraham wasn't, though. He said, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go. And he had faith. Now, here's the definition of faith I want to use today. Faith is trusting God, trusting God's way, and trusting God's future for you. A lot of times, I want to trust God. Of course I trust God. He's all-powerful over all things. But I'm not sure if I want to trust his way. But even if I come to the place where I trust his way, I don't know if I want to trust God's future. Because, like, what if God's future has me looking like I looked like up in this picture? Do I want to trust that future? But when we trust God, we, we don't just trust him. We trust his way for us and his future for us as well. And, and I love this because Abraham, this, this is a weird thing I'm about to say, and so I don't want you to get too weirded out by it. Abraham probably believed in other gods besides the one true God. Back in the time when, when he lived, back especially in the place where he lived, there were lots of gods they worshipped. They worshipped the sun and the moon, and they worshipped all these other gods. And so Abraham likely believed that other gods existed. It never says that specifically in the Bible, but, but it never says that he just believes in one God. We, we don't know. But here, here's the truth. I want you to listen to this. Abraham believed in likely lots of gods, but he followed one God. Now think, think about our lives for a second. We believe in one God. I think most of us here, probably all of us here would say, I don't believe there's like 50 gods out there. I believe in one God. But we don't always follow one God. And here's what I love about Abraham. Regardless of what he believed existed, what other spiritual beings existed out there, he followed one God and only one God. And when he did that, his whole life changed. His whole future changed. And if you look down at what God says to him, God makes a number of promises. God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Wouldn't you love that if God gave you that promise? I'm backing you up this year. Anybody who blesses you, I'm blessing them. If they curse you, I'm coming after them. That's cool. God's got your back. And then he says this, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Every single one of these promises God makes is all about the future. God makes all these promises about Abraham's future, but he still asks Abraham to trust him in the present. And this is, this is what you got to understand about how God works. God's blessing is built on your step of faith to follow him. Rarely does God bless and then say, now follow me, because God knows us. Often once we're blessed, we get comfortable and don't follow. God says, I will bless you if you take a step of faith right now. Anybody listen to Carrie Underwood? Anybody like Carrie Underwood? You can admit it. It's safe. This is a safe place. Does nobody like Carrie Underwood? Somebody be honest with me. Raise those hands. I like Carrie Underwood. I hate her song, though. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. You might listen to that song. Man, I hate that song. Something about it. The first time I, I remember the, the first time I ever heard this song, it was a church talent show. And this girl named Dallas was singing this song. And I wanted to punch something by the end of the song. And I don't know if it was her or the song, but one way or the other, I was just annoyed at it, right? Jesus, take the wheel. I can't do it on my own. Now, I think a lot of us go through life like that. Stuff gets harder. We're like, Jesus, here's the wheel. I, I think I've seen some drivers who do that too. Jesus, take the wheel, and they just let go. And, and often we do that. The problem is that's not biblical, really. You got to understand, God doesn't uh, just come and say, hey, you're not good enough. Step aside. Let me drive your life. What he does is he says, here's the way I want you to go. Now go that way. Often we reverse it. 
We say, God, I want you to take control of my life, and I'm going to tell you where to go. But what God says is, I'm going to, I'm going to show you a direction you go that way. Like when, when Jesus came to his disciples, what did he say? He didn't say, let me plant a chip in your mind so I can direct you where to go. He said, follow me. He gave him a direction. He said, just follow me. Now, they, they had to choose to do it. They had to actually come, but follow me. A lot of times in our lives, I think we want God to come in and say, hey, this year, 2020 is going to be your year, and I'm going to make everything work out, and I'm going to push you in the right direction. I think what God says to us most of the time is, I want you to go in this direction, and you just got to do it and trust me. Not Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, give me the GPS, and I'm going to take the wheel, right? Jesus, just beam in whatever the location is. Drop a pin where you are, Jesus, and I'll come to you. That's what Jesus does. That's how he works. He gives us a direction to go to, but we actually have to get to that point. And this is what happened with Abraham. He took a step of faith. God says, go to a land, I will show you. Go to this land. So Abraham set off and went. Now along the way, if you know the story of Abraham, he made some really dumb decisions. You want to hear some of the dumb decisions? First of all, he had a kid, not with his wife, but with his wife's servant. It gets weirder because his wife told him he should have a kid with her servant. Isn't that weird? Like, man, you could watch all the Dr. Phil you want, but it usually doesn't get that weird. Like, that's some weird stuff. That's a mistake. That wasn't right. He shouldn't have done that. Here's the other thing he did. They went down to Egypt one time because there was a famine, and in Egypt they had a lot of food. They go down to Egypt. They're hanging out there, and Sarah, apparently, Abraham's wife, was, was a hottie. I mean, she's just a gorgeous woman. That was the first time I said hottie, I think, up here. Here's just a hottie. And, and so Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, noticed and he's like, oh, like, that's, that's a woman I need to have in my palace. And so he goes, and this is Abraham. This is the kind of, like, strong, powerful man Abraham was. He said, babe, when they come, just say I'm your brother so they don't kill me. Like, dude, like, what a, what a pushover. He's like, here, have my wife. I'm her brother. I don't know. And just does that. And that, so that was a mistake, too. And, like, Abraham looks really bad. I mean, if you read the account, it's not like Abraham was good for doing those things. He was bad for doing those things. Abraham made mistakes. Here's the reality. You're 20, 20. You're going to make some mistakes. Some of you are well, we're, we're five, on our fifth day, and some of you have a list of mistakes you've already made. But, but here's, here's what you need. It's not a mistake-free year. You need a year where you're following God's direction. You need a year where you're going the way God wants you to go. You need a year where you are taking a step of faith to seek what God has. Often when we're reading the Bible, we, we miss out on how big things are. This account of Abraham is one of the biggest moments in the Bible. Uh, the, the rabbis who, who were Jewish teachers who would teach about this passage would say crazy things. Like there's a, there's a collection of teachings called Rabbah Genesis. It's like a commentary on Genesis that uh, a bunch of rabbis wrote. And this is what they say. They actually give these words. It's like God saying these words. Now, God never said these words in the Bible, but this is what the, the, the Jewish teachers said. God said this, according to the Jewish teachers. I'm going to make Adam first. And if Adam, the very first man, goes astray... I'm going to send Abraham to sort it all out. That's how big this moment was. All of, listen to this, all of human history hinges on Abraham's step of faith. Here's why. When God said, I will bless all the families or all the nations of the earth through you, what he's talking about is Jesus coming. See, Abraham was the father of the Jewish people. And Jesus was the Savior who came to the Jewish people. Now, it was for all of us, but unless you're a Jew here, Jesus didn't come first for you. He came first for the Jewish people, God's people, descended from Abraham. And what happens is, if you read Genesis, is Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 11 is all about how God created the world, and then we humans screwed it up. We just messed it up over and over again. This person, that person, that person messed it up. And by the time you get to the end of Genesis 11, you think, 
Everything's messed up. God created a great world, and it's all messed up. And then Abraham comes, and he is a man who follows God, takes a step of faith, and because of that, he sets in motion what God's going to do through Jesus. Through Abraham taking a step of faith, we get Jesus. Thousands of years later, we get Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What would a step of faith that you took this year, what could the outcome be in generations? What could the outcome of your step of faith? I was sitting around with my family. All my family was back in town. I have five siblings, four brothers, one sister. We were all back in town, and one soon-to-be sister-in-law, so she's kind of family. She's added to the family chat that we have, so she's family. And so we were all sitting around, and my dad wanted to have a family meeting. We don't have family meetings, but we sat down to have a family meeting. And it was a chance just to share and talk, and he gives us an opportunity. It's kind of fun to, like, challenge each other, like, throw out a challenge and be like, hey, you guys need to start living your lives a little better. Hey, here's what I've seen. I want to encourage you in that. And so we all sat around and did this beautiful, amazing amazing time. And my mom started talking. Now, my dad always says, he says, I pray for four generations of my family to love the Lord and to have no divorces in that whole, that whole stretch, which is virtually impossible, it, it seems like. Uh, but that's what he prays for his great, great grandkids. He just prays that prayer. And then my mom said that she can trace back four generations in her, on her side of the family where they have prayed the same thing. And it's, it's happened. For four generations. And she, she walked back. She had her, my mom, and then her grandma, and then little gran, is in the next one apparently, and then great granny, apparently. So that's, I didn't know these people existed, but little gran and great granny existed. And great granny, little gran, my grandma, and my mom have all been praying this. Some little old lady back probably in the early 20th century started praying for four generations. And four generations later, we're seeing the fruit of it. And my mom said, look, how God's blessed our family is not us. It's because we have four generations of prayers behind us. What would one step of faith right now do four generations from now for you? For Abraham, it was literally hundreds of generations and literally billions of people who are changed because Jesus came because of his one step of faith. What can your one step of faith do this year? To take a bold step of faith and say, God, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where it's going to end up, but I'm going to trust you right now. I'm going to start praying for four generations, my, my kids, my grandkids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, my great-great-grandkids. I'm going to start praying for them right now that you would bless them, help them to follow you, help them to love others well. I'm going to pray that prayer. What would happen if you took a bold step of faith? Here's what happened for Abraham. Abraham left his sense of place and belonging and started wandering for the rest of his life. Lived in a tent, and they pick up the tent and move it every once in a while. That was his life. Abraham left his family, his sense of place, his sense of people, his relatives, and he was off on his own. Abraham left his father's household, which meant he left his inheritance and his future, and he gave it up because he trusted God. What did he gain, though? He gained down the road a land for God's people. The land that Abraham went to became the land that all God's people lived in. He gained a whole nation that started with him. He left his family, right? But he had one kid, or two kids, but one kid that the Lord gave him and said, this is my chosen child. And through that child, a whole nation, all the Jewish people came. He left his inheritance. But what did he gain? He gained, he didn't even know this at the time, a future in Jesus. He gained a future in Jesus, even though Jesus wouldn't come for another 2,500 years. All because of Abraham's step of faith. Here's my question again. What is your step of faith this year? I know a lot of us are in this place. We want our faith to grow. We want our relationship with the Lord to grow. And I want to challenge you with something. If you want your faith to grow, you need to grow your need for faith. If you want to grow in your faith, you've got to have a need for faith. 
I went to Rapids on the Reservoir when I was eight years old. Anybody been there, Rapids on the Reservoir? Oh, my goodness. I don't know how good. It was probably terrible. But as an eight-year-old, it was heaven. You walk in, there's a wave pool. And I'd never seen a wave pool before. And, I, and that was the first thing I did, run up to the wave pool. And I was a bold eight-year-old. I walked all the way out. And I go up until it's, like, right here. You might do this before. Like, you just go as far as you can. I'm just, I'm just a bold guy. So I go out here. The problem is the waves hadn't started yet. I think I knew it was a wave pool. What I didn't understand is there were actually waves in the wave pool. And so I'm standing out, tippy toes, water's up to my nose, barely staying above. Look how big and strong I am. And then the waves started, and it felt like a tsunami hit me. Because the waves come over, and then all the rich people who have their their inner tubes, I wasn't rich, I didn't have an inner tube, all the rich inner tube people started coming up on top of me. And so I'm an eight-year-old. I go from being like, I'm on top of the world, to suddenly, like, the world's on top of me. And everyone's crashing over me. Waves are coming in. And I'm struggling, man. Like, I can swim, but I've never swum in a tsunami before. And so I'm trying to stay up right now. And so I remember in particular, there was one yellow inner tube that landed on top of me. And it took me, like, 10 seconds to get out from under. And it felt like an eternity. I'm just fighting it. I'm trying to get out. And then eventually, I was there with a youth group. The youth leader named Brandon comes, and he grabs me. And he lifts me up. And I've never wanted to kiss a man so much in my life. It's like, Brandon, you just look good today, my friend. That's weird. I was eight. And he lifts me up and takes me out. And man, just that, that moment of being lifted up when I, I, was, I had water coming over me and people on top of me and I couldn't do it. And I'll tell you what. In my life, here's, here's what I've realized. If I want to trust God more, I need to grow my need to trust him. If you keep living a normal, comfortable life, I think a lot of the reason a lot of us churn in our life and just can't get any traction and move forward is because we're just doing the same things over and over again. I think a lot of the reason in our our relationships with God we don't move forward and feel a lot of growth is because we keep doing the same thing. And just say, well, God, why don't you bless what I'm doing? God, come on and just bless it. And God says, I will bless you as you take a step of faith into what I ask you to do. I will bless you, but you've got to take a step of faith. And so many of us don't take steps of faith. Why? Because it's scary. Because what if it doesn't work out? Because what if it's hard? And it will be all of those things. But when you need God is when he shows up. Not when you want him to show up. When you need God to show up, God shows up to desperate people. He shows up to desperate people over and over again. Jesus comes and heals people who are desperate. Not rich people who can get doctors and get taken care of. He comes to the poor people, people who can't heal themselves. And about the time you recognize I can't do it is when God comes in in a powerful way. So what is your step of faith going to be this year? I think every single one of us should leave with a clear step of faith. God wants me to follow him and serve him. Here's how I'm going to take a step of faith. And a step of faith is something that stretches you, takes you out past your own capacity, and you're going to have to trust God. What if God is asking you to start tithing? Start taking a first portion of every bit of money you bring in and giving it to him. 10%, everything you bring in, it goes first to that. Before you go to bills, anything else, give to him. You want to talk about faith? That'd be some months you look at your bank account and you think, oh, snap, I'm going to be living on negative $7 this month. I can't do it, but you got to trust God. That, that's a step of faith. What if your step of faith should just be, I'm going to take a step towards a call from God to become a pastor or a Christian leader. I know, I know a lot of people, I talk to so many people who say, man, God, God called me to be a, a preacher and a pastor. I think God might be leading me to be a pastor, but I feel like that's something I could never do, and so I'm not going to take that step. I believe there are people in this room that God is calling to that who know it. You've sensed that, but you haven't taken steps towards that. Right now we have five people in our church who are taking steps towards becoming pastors. This is the perfect place, if you feel like God might be leading you to do that, to take a step forward in faith and say, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to trust God. I don't know where it's going to lead. I'm going to step forward. 
What if God is asking you to forgive someone in your life who doesn't deserve to be forgiven? And then go beyond forgiving them to actually loving them. This is hard. In fact, it's going to be outside of your capacity. It's going to be past what you're capable of. You'll have to trust God. What if your step of faith is to say, that, that person I just can't stand, I'm going to love them so well, they're not going to hit them in the head. I'm going to love them so well. It's, it says in Romans chapter 12, you've got to love people and bless people so much, it's like pouring burning coals on their head. Like that person that hates you, you love them so much and they can't stand it, and it feels like coals coming down on their head because you're loving them so well. If you want to really get after the person who's wronged you, love them. Just love them so good. So just love them so much. What if God is asking you to start serving in some way? You're putting so much time into what you got going on, so much time into your work, so much time into your family, and God's saying, hey, step outside of all that. I want you to serve other people in my name. I want you to serve other people in my name. What if God is asking you to wage war on an addiction in your life? This is something you've, you've wrestled with for years. And you know what? I can't overcome it. I've tried. I can't overcome it. Can't overcome it. Can't overcome it. And God's saying, take a step of faith. Wage war on that addiction and see what I do. Wage war on that thing that's got its claws in your life and holding you back. Trust me, and I'm going to be there for you. What if God's asking you to leave a relationship you're in? What if God's asking you to enter into a relationship that you don't really want to enter into? I'm not necessarily talking romantically. What if God is calling you to do something? It's going to be a step of faith, but you've got to do it. If you want your faith to grow, you need to grow your need for faith. If you want to grow in the Lord this year, if you want to be who God wants you to be 10 years from now, this year you have to take a step that puts you outside of your own capacity and lets God do his thing. As I'm saying this, I think some of you, are, you recognize in your life that God wants you to take this step and you've been holding off because it's going to be so challenging. It's going to be hard. It's going to stretch you past the point you can handle. And God's saying, yes, it will. Do it. As you take a step out past your capacity, God meets every need. Abraham ended up in Canaan. Now, now, here's the part of the story I left out. Right before what we read today, Abraham's dad, Terah, said was going to Canaan, but he stopped short of Canaan in a place called Haran. Now, why is this important? I don't know what conversation God had with Abraham's daddy, but what if he had said to him, I want you to go to Canaan, and he stopped short? I don't know if that's the case, but all I know is that it says they were going to Canaan and they stopped short, and then God came to Abraham and said, keep going to Canaan. A lot of us 10 years from now will be able to look back at this point and say, that's the point when I decided to keep going and God blessed me and God blessed my family. He's going to bless my grandbabies and my great-grandbabies through this. And some of us will be able to look back at 2020 and say, that's the year I didn't say yes to God and my faith didn't grow and my future changed because I did not say yes to God. I want each one of us to grab hold of a step. What's the step God wants you to take? What's the step of faith he wants you to take, just trusting him? And once you take that step, you're going to get to the end of 2020 and be like, oh, that was nothing. Like, it was a lot when you were going through it, but by the end of it, you're like, God came and he met me. I, I got that. What's the next thing? And that's how you grow in faith. That's how you grow in your relationship with God. That's how you become who you want, or who, who God wants you to be. But it starts right now, right in this moment with saying, God, there's a step of faith you have for me. I will do it. And then do it. Get after it. Run at it with all your heart and trust that God's going to come in and supply everything you can't supply yourself. Let's pray together today. God, thank you so much for calling Abraham all those years ago, calling him to follow you, to serve you, and to be a blessing, Lord. And, and I, I just ask that you would help each one of us to be like Abraham, to say, I'm going to take a step of faith. It's going to take me beyond my capacity, beyond my own strength. But I'm just going to trust you, God. I'm just going to trust what you got. I'm just going to trust your way. 
Right now, I know as, as we're all sitting here, uh, as we got our heads bowed together in prayer, I know there's a lot of us who have that step of faith. There's a lot of us who know I, I got to take this step forward. God, God's made it clear to me. It's not something that, that was just said today. It's something the Holy Spirit's put on my heart. Right now, I feel him directing me and guiding me. You probably don't want to take that step because it's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. It's going to be too much for you, and it will be all those things. But God is always enough. If you're here today and you have that step of faith and God's made it clear, would you be willing to slip up a hand right now and just say, I've got a step of faith? Anybody else? We've got lots of hands up. Anybody else say, I've got a step of faith? Step of faith. You've got a clear step of faith in front of you. God's asking you to do it because your faith needs to grow. Father, I ask that you'd be with each person, my brothers and sisters who raised their hands today. Lord, they've got a step of faith right now. And I know it's so easy, Lord, to raise a hand, but I know it's so hard to actually follow you all the way. And so I pray that right now the first thing you do to meet their need is to give them all the faith they need to get going, to start, to pursue you, to take that step, to grow closer to you, to love others better, to sacrifice, to be selfless. Lord, and as they do that, I pray that you would overflow in their lives your goodness and your presence and your joy and your peace. Lord, transform them by your power. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.